Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Underground USA. I'm Frank Salvato. Remember, you can find all of what we offer at undergroundusa.com. Be sure to sign up for our daily mail out. It's got headlines and what our features are currently. And please be kind to our sponsors. If you're a tea drinker, and hey, who isn't? Then try some Yopan tea from Emerald Coast Tea Company. It's a tea plant indigenous to the United States with a robust flavor with an incredible shelf life. In fact, before the U.S. Civil War, we were exporting Yopan tea to Asia and Europe, not importing a less flavorful product like today from China. Use the promo code USAT, that's U-S-A-T-E-A, at checkout and get free shipping. There's a measure that's passed out of Nancy Pelosi's Democrat-controlled House that should turn the stomachs of everyone who believes in the U.S. Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and the whole of the Charters of Freedom and Americanism as our founders and framers meant for it to be. The bill is H.R. 1. We wave flags in honor of our democracy with this legislation is there to protect the right to vote, to remove obstacles of participation. H.R. 1, for the people, to remove voter suppression uh, tactics from our political system, to protect uh, uh, the integrity of our electoral system, the fact, the, uh, the physical infrastructure of our elections. Pelosi and her progressive Democrat minions call it the For the People Act. It was couched as an election reform measure, but in reality, this bill codifies almost every malpractice that occurred during the 2020 general election. It's an affront to every American citizen. It usurps the rights reserved to the states in the U.S. Constitution, and it nullifies several aspects of the Bill of Rights where our individual rights are concerned. I'm going to address the most egregious aspects of this bill in no particular order. First, H.R. 1, which Democrats desperately want to get signed into law, unconstitutionally gives Congress purview over federal elections at the state level. The U.S. Constitution specifically mandates 
in the Elections Clause of Article 1 and the Electors Clause of Article 2 that state legislatures are the sole authority in how federal elections are executed in the states. If H.R. 1 is signed into law, Congress will prescribe every aspect of how a state is required to execute a federal election. So why is this egregious? Why is it important to maintain the sovereignty of the states in federal elections, and especially presidential elections? The answer resides in the name of our country, the United States of America. We are a country of 50 separate sovereign states. Each state has a constitution and a state government. Each state entered the Union of States understanding the rules, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights. In that agreed-to compact, each state holds purview over how they execute their federal elections process because each state has a seat at the table, as we saw during the recent Electoral College issue. In the end, Congress receives the results of a federal election processed and certified by each individual state for tabulation. Only under the most corrupt and egregious of processes can a state certification be called into question. This process was put into place so an overbearing and overreaching one-party rule federal government couldn't run roughshod over the process for ideological or political gain. The process was crafted in a way that the states have a check-and-balance authority over the federal government where elections are concerned. Should H.R. 1 become law, that check-and-balance, just like the direct election of U.S. Senators, will remove a safeguard crafted by our founders to check the absolute power of the federal government. H.R. 1 also mandates, not suggests, not directs the state to execute, but mandates universal mail-in voting, and a 10-day delay in election results. There's so much wrong here, I don't even know where to begin. Almost every free country in the world has expunged the idea of mail-in voting because the process literally begs for and facilitates vote fraud. If the last election isn't a testimony to that fact, in Michigan, in Wisconsin, in Georgia, in Arizona, in Pennsylvania. And the idea of allowing for 10 days for tabulation? Here's how delayed tabulation and mail-in voting culminates in stolen elections. Once the ballots are counted on election day, nefarious actors know the difference in vote totals that they must overcome. Because there's a 10-day period to find the additional votes, newly Mailed-in ballots can be found in just enough time to tip the scales. Can anyone say Al Franken? Should H.R. 1 be signed into law, this formula for eternal Chicago-style elections will guarantee that we the people never have an untainted election ever again. It will be a point well past the beginning of the end. In addition to these two serious points, H.R. 1 would... Mandate same-day voter registration. Require states to count ballots cast by voters outside their assigned precincts. Mandate no-fault absentee ballots, ban witness signatures or notarization requirements for absentee ballots, and require states to allow vote harvesting. It would prevent election officials from checking the eligibility and qualifications of voters and removing ineligible voters from the voter rolls. 
It would ban state voter ID laws. It would reduce the number of Federal Election Commission members from six to five, facilitating political ideology in that body. Although the FEC is worthless as tits on a bull anyway, so... It would prohibit state election officials from participating in the mechanics of the federal elections within their own states. It requires states to restore the ability of felons to vote. It would permit the IRS to investigate and consider the political and policy positions of nonprofit organizations before granting them tax-exempt status. How that's voter reform, how that's election reform is beyond me. H.R. 1, the bill, would prohibit the filing of any lawsuits challenging the constitutionality of H.R. 1 anywhere except in the District Court for the District of Columbia, which means if people in, in Washington State, Oregon State, California, Texas, Florida, if they want to file a lawsuit against this, they've got to go to Washington, D.C. to do it. H.R. 1 establishes a commission to protect democratic institutions which would have the authority to compel judges to testify and justify their legal decisions regarding elections. It prevents any state from doing regular maintenance on their voter rolls. It requires that political speakers and nonprofit organizations publish the identities of their donors. It would establish a commission of unelected national bureaucrats to decide where the congressional district boundaries would be rather than leaving that to the states as the Constitution mandates. H.R. 1 would forbid state and local officials from preserving the record of paper ballots that make trustworthy post-election recounts and audits possible. And it mandates ballot drop-off boxes and instructs that they be accessible for 45 days before an election. But the most egregious aspect to H.R. 1, as if all of that isn't just insane to begin with, the most egregious part, the most dastardly provision, and the single most dangerous affront to everything that is America in this bill is that it nullifies our First Amendment rights to free speech and to redress our government. The progressive-leaning ACLU takes issue with a measure because of its encroachment on free speech? Well, the ACLU is on record as opposing H.R. 1 because its provisions would, quote, unconstitutionally impinge on the free speech rights of American citizens and public interest organizations. They will have the effect, the ACLU says, of harming our public discourse by silencing necessary voices that would otherwise speak out about the public issues of the day." Unquote. Included in these impingements, the bill gives federal bureaucrats, not even federally elected officials, but unelected federal bureaucrats, powers to control political free speech through a new category of regulations called campaign-related disbursements. These regulations apply to nonprofit advocacy groups and other organizations whose mission statements center on communicating about public policy issues. These restrictions include public communications by any organization that dares mention a specific candidate for federal office and which attacks or supports that candidate even if it doesn't expressly advocate to vote for or against that candidate. 
The new restrictions include all public communications. Radio, TV, print, the internet, all public communications that meet the current law's definition of electioneering communications. The mere mention of a candidate or office holder by name would be subject to new regulations involving all of our commonly used communication avenues. Put simply, if you talk about a candidate or a candidate's policies, both for or against, and do it online, in a video, on a podcast, on social media, well, HR1 will open the door for the federal government to involve itself in your political free speech and your personal redress of your government. If no other aspect of this law makes it worthy of a blowtorch, it is this singular point. H.R. 1 outlaws political free speech and the redress of government by its citizens. One of the primary reasons we the people broke from the British crown over 250 years ago in the first place. These are all horrific ideas that literally facilitate the destruction of free and fair elections. They completely usurp the sovereignty of the states in federal elections as mandated, as mandated in the U.S. Constitution. It changes the U.S. Constitution without the labor of passing an amendment to the Constitution. It is illegal and unconstitutional, and it must be stopped before the fifth column gets it codified into law. Sadly, shockingly, alarmingly, we have a one-political-party federal government at present, and it's one that French kisses the progressive movement's transformative politics for the United States. The enemy is inside the gates. If brought to the force of law, H.R. 1 will be the final nail in the coffin for our country. It will complete Barack Obama's fundamental transformation of the United States of America. Then all that's left is the full embrace of the global Great Reset, and progressives will have achieved what just 25 years ago would have been unthinkable. They will have achieved a global oligarchy with no recourse for the people of the world. Ladies and gentlemen, if we don't move our state governments to fully embrace nullification, and especially where H.R. 1 is concerned, then we are complicit in our nation's end. Every state must enjoin in nullifying any and all laws that are not soundly and completely constitutional at their core. The states are our last line of defense. Make no mistake, the Pelosi and Schumer Democrats and the AOC progressives, they see the goal line, and they aren't about to back down unless we the people force them to. To that end, it's only right to call on the words of Thomas Paine as a rallying cry, as written in The Crisis Number 1. <laughs> These are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will, in this crisis, shrink from the service of their country. But he that stands it now deserves the love and thanks of men and women. Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. It is dearness only that gives everything its value. Heaven knows how to put a proper price upon its goods, and it would be strange indeed 
if so celestial an article as freedom should not be highly rated. Wise words, a good call to arms, but we have to act. You're listening to Underground USA. I'm Frank Salvato. We'll be right back after this. Don't go anywhere. 